We've been in this series called One Another, really talking about how the gospel speaks to our relationships. How are we to conduct ourselves with one another? And obviously, we don't have time to deal with every one another in the New Testament, but we are picking and choosing ones that we believe are foundational and kind of can be buckets that you could put the one another's that we find in Scripture in some of these larger buckets. And today is no different. We're actually going to continue this series uh, through the end of August. And so this morning, we find ourselves in Galatians 5, verses 13 through 15. And so I want to begin reading. I'm going to read these verses, and then we're going to unpack them this morning. So here's what it says in verse 13. For you, that's you and me, for you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. Here's the title of the message today, Serve One Another. It's what we're called to do. And what I want you to get today, if you remember one thing from the passage of Scripture that we are going to unpack today, I want you to remember this idea, and it comes straight from this passage of Scripture. We're going to see that. It's this idea that free people love people by serving people. You need to understand that. We're going to see that. You probably already have seen how that statement flows out of these verses, these three verses. Free people love people by serving people. Now, when, you re- when, when we read verse 13 and Paul says the words freedom, as Americans, you know what our minds probably go to? It probably goes to a political, right? Like we live in a free country. We're thankful that we have freedoms. We're thankful that we can worship in this place without wondering that someone's going to come in and shut it down. Like we're so thankful for the freedoms that we enjoy. We're so thankful to be a part of this country. We're thankful for the people that have made sacrifices so that we can be free and experience freedom. But that's not what Paul's talking about. Our mind might also go to an economic type of idea. Like we want to be debt free. We don't want to have credit card debt and have all of these different types of things and live under that bondage and that stress. And, and maybe some of us even are today. And we're like, man, it'd be so great to be debt free. And that's an amazing thing. But you can't go to this passage of scripture to talk about it. That's not what Paul means by freedom. So what does he mean? Well, if you know anything about this place, you know we like to walk verse by verse through a passage of Scripture, regardless of whether we're doing more of a topical series like we're doing this time or whether we're walking through a book. So I think if we're going to understand verses 13 through 15, then we have to go all the way up to verse 1 of chapter 5. So would you take your eyes there? Look at what Paul says in verse 1. He says, for freedom, Christ has set us free. There's that word again. Stand firm, therefore. And do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Now, what does he mean by those words? Here's what you need to understand about Galatians. It was written to the church of Galatia. So it's a little bit different in the first century with churches than it is today. So there wasn't no first Baptist of Galatia. It was the church of Galatia. We just talked about the importance of collaboration, right? So any church that stands on the gospel of Jesus Christ, you know what would you call that? The church of Winston-Salem. 
So Paul writes to the church at Galatia, and he's writing this letter to warn them against false teaching. Because here's what was going on. You had false teachers that were saying, okay, you need to believe that Jesus Christ is your savior from your sins, but you also need to do these other things as well. Those other things just happen to be circumcision. Which can I, can I just say, uh, some of you may be here, you're brand new in your walk with the Lord, or you're, you're like, man, I'm trying out this Christian thing. I've started reading the Bible, and here's what I just want to say. Let's just, let's just get it out in the open, because I say this all the time when I'm discipling new people. Hey, you're, you know, we're walking through the epistles, these letters that Paul wrote. We're like, here's, here's what you need to know. They're going to talk a lot about circumcision, and you're going to wonder, what's the deal? And the reason the deal is, is because you're dealing with a majority of people that were Jews, and you're taking Jews that were told by God in the Old Testament that that was one of the ways that, that Hebrew men separated themselves to show that they were marked as God's people, and now you're taking those Jewish people who, who have believed that, who was a marker for them, and now you're mixing them in with people that were not Jews that have now come to Jesus Christ. So obviously that creates some turmoil. So you have a lot lot of false teaching going on where Paul is speaking out against adding to the gospel of Jesus Christ, believing it's Jesus plus something. And Paul is speaking out against that. He's like, no, 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 we're free. We're not bound to this bondage of slavery. Like, how much good do I need to do before God will accept me? That's what he is speaking to. So here's how I want to illustrate that. Every one of us Every one of us. There's not a person in this room that's not like this. Before Jesus Christ, before we place our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, this is our life before God. So I just took time this week and I just wrote a bunch of different sins on this board. And some of us may, may, would, would look at this board and say, well, I have, more, I have a lot of those in my life or I've done a lot of those in my life. Others of us would look and say, well, really? I'm feeling pretty good about myself because like, there's only a couple on there that I would say I would struggle with. But here's the reality. Here's what the word of God tells us. That before we come and place our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, this is who I am. This is who you are. We are guilty. We are dirty. We're not, be a, we're not able to be accepted by a holy God because he's perfect and I'm sinful. And what do I deserve? What's the penalty because of my sin? Romans 6.23 says, for the wages of sin is death. It's separation from God for all of eternity. It means that I can't have a relationship with God. It doesn't mean it doesn't matter how many good things I might, I might do in my life that I could write in the corners of the bad things that I do in my life because Isaiah 64.6 says, all of my righteous good deeds are like a polluted garment before a holy God. So this is who I am apart from Jesus Christ. And so when I place my faith and trust in Jesus Christ, when God opens up my eyes to realize how much he loves me and what he's done for me and that he lived a perfect life for me, he lived a perfect life that I can't live. He died on the cross and shed his blood so that I can be forgiven. He rose again three days later to seal that hope of redemption and forgiveness that's found in him. So when I place my trust in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, not in the good that I can do, but in the perfection that he has accomplished for me, here's what God does to my life. He says that because of Jesus Christ, you have been forgiven. Every sin, everything, every bit of sin in my life, 
I'm going to keep talking because I'm still erasing. Every part of my life has been forgiven in Jesus Christ. So when God sees me, he does not see me uh, with my sin. He sees me as clean. Why? Not because of the good that I can do. Not because hopefully the good outweighs the bad. But because of what Jesus Christ has done for me. And so because that's how I'm seen before a holy God, because Jesus said, it is finished, because there's an empty tomb today, here's what God speaks over my life through Jesus Christ. It's no longer all of that sin. It's no longer all of that guilt. But rather what he writes over my life is this, that I am free We need more than a few people clapping for that. Come on. And here's what's awesome. Is regardless of how many sins were in your life versus someone else's life, it doesn't matter your economic situation. It doesn't matter the color of your skin. It doesn't matter where you came from or where you didn't come from. At the foot of the cross, it's level. And when I place my faith and trust in Jesus Christ, all men, all women, all children then do that are free. We're free. I'm no longer bound to the yoke of slavery. It's no longer, have I done enough good? It's no longer, I've done too much bad. But when I place my faith and trust in Jesus Christ, I am free. But I'm free to do what? What am I free to do? Because in verse one, look at what it says. It says, for you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity. That word opportunity literally means a springboard. So like a diving board. I know those aren't in pools much anymore, but in a diving board where you spring on it and it shoots you forward. That's the idea. Don't use your freedom, what you've been forgiven of, as an opportunity, as a springboard to do what? Look at what it says. It says, for the flesh to sin. Because here's, here's what happens. The danger is, is that we can fall into this teaching, as I already said, that, well, Jesus isn't enough. I also need to do some other things. And that's legalism. That's another gospel. See, here's the reality. You may have rules and things that you do in your house that are your rules, and I may have rules that I do in my house that are my rules, and they don't necessarily have a verse tied to them, but they're just kind of your rules. There's, legalism is not rules. Legalism is believing if I don't do your rules, that all of a sudden I'm less spiritual than you. That's adding to the gospel. That's legalism. That's part of the false teaching that Paul was speaking against. So there's that side. But here's what oftentimes can happen if we're not careful. The pendulum can swing the other way, and now we're practicing relativism, which says this. Well, man, I got my ticket to heaven. Yeah, man, I I remember when I was a kid, and I raised my hand in some revival somewhere. I walked down an aisle, or I tossed a stick into a fire, and I trusted in Jesus. Yeah, man, I I got my ticket. I'm going to heaven. I can live however way I want because God sees me as free through Jesus. Well, that's false teaching as well. So what do we use our freedom for? What do we do with it? Well, I want to share with you in our time left the biblical formula that Paul gives in these simple three verses that show this statement to be true, that free people love people 
by serving people. See, in verses 13 through 15, here's the first part of that biblical formula. It's this, freedom plus love equals service to others. So we've all taken math or we're in math or about to be in math if you're still in school and you know that there's certain principles, right? Two plus two equals four. You know, another principle is you can't divide by zero. I remember when I was in high school, I was in this advanced math class and I don't say that so you can think that I'm super smart with math because I'm not. It's the worst decision I ever made to to sign up for that class. But nevertheless, I remember we had this kid, he was so smart. His first name was Matthew, his last name will remain anonymous in case by chance he ever watches this video. His name was Matthew, so you know who you are if you're watching. His name was Matthew, who's so smart, amazing, like the smartest kid that I ever was with in school. And he was arguing with the math teacher on why you ought to be able to divide by zero. And the math teacher, I don't even know why he just didn't shut the kid down, is like having this dialogue that the rest of us could care less about. We're like, dude, just move on. He's arguing a fundamental principle that will never change. And this formula will not change. You can argue with it, you can disagree with it, but the reality is it comes straight out of Scripture in verses 13 through 15 that freedom, when I'm free in Christ, And I'm living in that love that Jesus Christ has given me. It's going to manifest itself equal out in service to others because serving one another is motivated by love. It's not motivated by guilt. Now, we could put some pictures up here. We could play some music in the background, some sad music, and I could probably get you to give to a cause. That's what those homeless pet commercials do. I'm not against helping animals. Don't walk out of here thinking that. But let's just call a spade a spade. It's manipulation. See, we're not called to serve out of guilt. We're not. We're not. I'm serious now. We're not. We're not called to serve out of guilt. That's not the motivation. The motivation is not compliance. Well, everybody else is doing it. I want people to think that that I don't care about other people, so I'm going to do it. No, no, that's compliance. That will not last. It will have a short shelf life. What we find in this passage of Scripture is that serving one another is motivated out of not guilt, not compliance, not any other reason but love. You're like, What do you mean? Well, let's look at the text again. What does it say? It says, but through love, serve. That word serve is an interesting word because sometimes when we hear serve, we we think it has a negative connotation. But that word serve literally is the Greek word that has the idea of doing something for someone else in a humble manner. That's why I say not guilt, not compliance, a humble manner. But then it has even more depth to it than that. I serve in a humble manner. I do this in a humble manner because of the demands that have been placed on me because of what's been done to me. So I serve, that word, in a humble manner because of what has been done to me. And what has been done to me through Jesus Christ? I have been made what? Say the word, free. I've been made free. So my service to others is motivated by my freedom in Christ. And what is the characteristic that shapes that is love, what Christ has done for me. Listen to me. This right here 
This freedom is not meant to be a static thing. It's not meant to be something that's just gawked at. It's not meant to be something that I'm like, yeah, every once in a while when I open up my Bible, I look at the front of my Bible and I see the date of when I trusted Christ and I'm just like, man, it's so awesome. There's nothing wrong with that. But it's not just something that's to be looked at, to be gawked at, to be stroked. It's not that. See, here's my concern when I think about myself if I'm not being intentional. And what I think is true of all of us is some of us can look at our salvation like, some of you guys are hunters, or you ladies are hunters, and you look at your salvation like you look at your deer mount. Now, here's what you need to understand. You're like, okay, tell me how that's going to, how that illustration works. I've wanted a deer mount for a long time in my office. In fact, when I was a pastor in Pennsylvania, I went out every single day to try to get that prize buck so I could put a mount. Some of you are judging me right now. I can feel it. <laughs> There's no condemnation in Jesus Christ, Romans 8.1. I am free. But I wanted, I, I wanted one of those so bad. I never got one, and I sold all my hunting gear when I moved to Southwest Florida. I'm not buying it again because I started doing the calculations just as a side note. When I was up in a tree stand for like four hours, I was like, man, when I think about the clothes I bought and the bow I bought and the stuff to not make me smell like a human and all that other stuff, like this deer's cost me $50 a pound. But when I was up there, you know why I wanted that deer mount? Is so that when every person that walked into my office, because it wasn't about to go in our house, when I... They would have said, oh, man, tell me how you got that deer. That's why you have one on your wall, guys or girls. Don't lie. You're not being humble when you pay $500 for a deer mount. Because what do you want to do? Man, that story of, man, it was, it was the sun was just rising, and it was a mist over the field, and I saw that buck that was really at 50 yards, but it was 400 yards, and I sat in that scope, and I shot him right behind the shoulder blade, and bam, a direct hit. I didn't even have to chase him, you know, on and on and on. What are you doing? Because I want to memorialize that event. Some of you are like, I have nothing to do with deers. Okay, so... You may be a guy or girl, and you like decorating, and you're very proud of your house, and, and so you have what you call a sitting room in your house. But here's what I've found out about sitting rooms. They're not meant to sit in. So what you do is you make it all pretty, and you make it all nice, and you buy the furniture and everything, but when company comes over to your house, all you want them to say is, man, that looks amazing. But you're very quick to say, let me show you where you can sit. Let's go to the family room. Why? Because you want that furniture in that place just to be something that is nice to look at and to talk about. Others of us may collect things. Like I have a football in my office behind my chair at the center of the bookshelves behind my desk and my chair, and it is a football signed by Mike Dicka. I got it in Naples, Florida. That's where he, that's where he lives when he, was, when he wasn't commentating, and, and I remember I got a friend of mine to sign that football, and it just doesn't say Mike Dicka. It says to Johnny, best wishes, Mike Dicka, Hall of Fame, 1988. Like, that is a prize thing, but you know what I'm never going to do? I'm never going to say to you, hey, let's go toss this football out in the parking lot, bro. Ain't going to happen, because that football is not to be made and there to be played with. It's there to look at, it's there to talk about, but I am not about to use it. Can you see where I'm going? Because here's the reality. Some of us would be like, well, that really didn't 
drive home the point, well, I wonder if your salvation is like one of these membership cards. Like, right, I got a membership card to Sam's, I got one to Costco, and I got one to AAA. Man, I'm hooked up. I just walked into AAA for the first time in this last week. I needed, my passport is about to expire. I needed to get a new passport. And so I found out, man, they walk in there. And if you're a AAA member, in fact, a gold member, you actually get to them to take your pictures for free. And I remember I walked into this AAA, never been in one before in my life. And I walk in and they're like, hey, sir, so glad to see. They were the, they had the best service I've ever experienced at any place I've walked in a long time. They made, they like rolled out the red carpet for me. They were like, did you see our service center? We'll change your oil at a discount. We'll do all these things. Some of us look at our salvation like a membership card. And our involvement in this church, like, well, what's this church doing for me this week? Well, man, I can go down the church somewhere else and they'll put a swag bag underneath my seat. Man, I like that. I like how they're going to make me feel good. And we view our salvation as, Lord, what have you done for me lately? Now, here's what we need to understand. Why has God saved us through Jesus Christ? Why has he said to me and to you, we are free? It's not motivated so I can think more about myself. It is motivated to serve others because free people love people by serving people. Freedom plus love equals service to others. Look at what it says in verse 14. Paul says, for the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Like this is not new, right? Matthew 22, verses 37 through 39, Jesus is asked, prophet, what's the greatest commandment and what does Jesus do? He quotes to them what they already know that's found in Deuteronomy chapter 6. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Listen to me. So much is messed up in our world and in our country and in our city, and has been over centuries in this country because we failed to realize what Jesus said. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. We forgot that free people love people by serving people. We forgot that it's freedom plus love that equals service to others. And Paul says it's fulfilled in this phrase, and you're like, well, why didn't he quote the whole? Two verses that Jesus said in Matthew 22 and other places in the gospel. Here's why. Because what Paul is stressing is, is listen, if you're loving your neighbor as yourself, I already know that you love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. See, this is an equation that can't be argued. It's just a matter of we're going to obey or are we going to disobey. Here's the second part of the equation, and it's the flip side of that, and it's found in verse 15. Look at what it says. It says, but if you bite and devour one another... Watch out that you are not consumed by one another. What descriptive language. Bite, devour, consume. Strong language, right? And unfortunately, probably all of us, sadly, have a story where we've seen this lived out in a church, in a relationship, by people who say they love Jesus. See, here's the second part of that equation, the flip side. Freedom minus love equals harm to others. See, when I subtract that heart motivation, that, Lord, I want to love other people based on how you've loved me, I'm free. I didn't deserve to be called free. 
I was a slave to my sin. I was dead in my trespasses and sins, Ephesians 2.1. But Lord, you loved me enough to make me free. It didn't matter where I came from. It didn't matter who I was. You loved me in spite of that. But when we forget the love that God has shown us through Jesus Christ, and we subtract that from our interactions in our relationship, it's always going to result in us harming others. It's going to result in us biting others. It's going to result in us devouring one another. It's going to result in us consuming one another and losing the significance and influence that Jesus Christ wants us to have as free people. See, I can't be selfish and love selflessly at the same time. I can't. And every day I'm challenged with my selfishness. Every day I'm trying to beat down that beast inside of me. Because even though I'm positionally free, like this is how God sees me, I still have a sinful nature. I still struggle with sin every day. I still struggle with beating down as This passage describes it, the flesh, that's our sinful nature, the sin that's at war in me. But through the power of the Holy Spirit, I've been freed from the power of sin. So that as a follower of Jesus Christ, every day I'm called to submit to the Holy Spirit and ask for his filling so that I can do what God wants me to do. I'm no longer hopeless, but there's still a choice inside of me. Am I going to live my life motivated out of the love that Jesus Christ has for me, or am I going to subtract that out of my life? Because when I try to live my life apart from it being motivated by what Christ has done for me, I will always fall short. John 13, 35 says this. You will know this well if you don't know the reference. Where Jesus says, they will know if you are my disciples, if you have, finish it with me if you can, if you have what? Love for one another. Free people, love people by serving people. Now here's what's awesome. I'm about to dismiss you early because we're gonna have a tangible way that we can do that right now. Because one of the awesome things that we've kind of developed in our culture over the past few years is rather than us saying, man, we're gonna do something to help people who are less fortunate than us that what they have or don't have to eat every day is actually something that is a big deal for them. Like, hey, this week, if you remember, get some groceries. No, 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 you know the way that we do it if you call this place your home already is I'm about to dismiss early and we're about to go to a grocery store and we're about to blow that place up and we're about to buy groceries and load them in a truck because we partner with Crisis Control, who's one of the ministries that helps solve the food crisis in our city. And it's real. Now, here's what you need to understand. Last two years, what did we do? We went to Lowe's Grocery Store right there on Robin Hood Road. Why? Because it was a stone throw from Thomas Jefferson Middle School where we, where we worshiped. And we could do that this year. We could drive down to Robin Hood Road. It's not that far and do that again. But here's what's awesome. Here's what we're saying this year. No, no, no. That's not the community where we live. It's not where we live. The closest closest grocery store to this building and to this community is the food line on Patterson. What you need to understand is this is what's called a food desert. 
Because there's a lot of people that don't have the transportation to get to a grocery store. And you'll figure this out when you drive there today. It's only a mile away, but because they shut down one of the easiest ways to get there, you got to go through some turns and different things like that. And think about what you buy for groceries every week and hauling it, walking a mile. So it's a real deal. And what we thought was is, man, this is the place where God has sovereignly placed us. The people around this place, in this circle around us, man, these are our people. God has placed us here, so let's go to where our people shop. Let's go and be the hands and feet of people to actually help a grocery store that needs to stay in business that's the closest to the community that we live in to help them in their need. So what we're doing is we're dismissing. You will see people at the doors. They will have a sheet of the things that crisis control needs. Tomorrow, if you have time, you can meet us there at 9 a.m. tomorrow at crisis control because we're going to unload the truck. But we're going to go and we're going to buy these items. Now, let me be clear. This is you buying those items. Because, dude, I can be super generous with somebody else's money. But this is you. (laughs) This is you. And I'm saying that because we've had people do that before. So this is you taking your money and saying, man, we're going to sacrifice. Man, we've been blessed so much. We're going to help others in need. Here's what's awesome. 9 a.m. already did an amazing job. And you should have seen people's eyes. Like, man, who are all these white people coming in the grocery store? (laughs) But here's what's awesome. You know what I want you to do when you take that grocery store and you walk in there? Guess what, man? I'm doing this. Why? Because I'm free. I'm a free person who loves people by serving people. And let's go be the hands and feet of Jesus. If you need the address, because some of you are like, man, I've never been down Patterson Avenue before. Here's the address, 3505 Patterson Avenue. I think we all got GPS on our phones or something. So it's not far. It's only a mile from here. But man, let's go be the hands and feet of Jesus.